into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. If you hear those jingle bells a-jingle and you know it's another week of Pod Damn America podcast, America's number one Pod Damn podcast, I'm your podcast, Alex Patak. I'm here with my co-podcast, Anders Lee. Podcast, podcast, podcast here. Our, our lovely co-host, Jake Flores, unfortunately has taken ill with the black lung. He's been out mining... Deep in the coal mines this week in sunny Las Vegas, where he went for some reason. I don't remember why. <coughs> Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. Yeah, Jake is a fierce athlete. And so to replace him, we've recruited another fierce athlete. All the way from the Majority Report, the one and only Chad Vigorous, Brandon Sutton, returns to the show. You know what it is. Black Jake Flores in the house. Do you guys remember the jingle ball? Do you remember hearing that on the radio? Jingle Ball. The Jingle Ball. I don't remember hearing it on the radio. I actually, they reference it on um, a Peacock show called Girls 5 Eva that I like to watch about okay. a, like a defunct early 2000s girl group. And I kind of just thought it was made up, like something that sounds like it could have been real. So I'm surprised to find out that it's real. Yeah, I got to see this because I remember every year hearing on like local commercial radio about how this year's Jingle Ball is going to be freaking nuts. And, of course, I was too young to go to the Jingle Ball, but I always What, was, what is it? It's just like a music festival that they, I think they do multiple of them in cities throughout the country, but, you know, they get... I'm picturing plague masks and gowns. <laughs> <laughs> it's Probably like Summer Jam, but for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, you know, as a kid, I, I imagined that everybody's getting presents and stuff, but in reality, the present was probably like STDs and, you know, rum and all that good stuff. It was the gift of music. Every day is a gift, and that's why we call it the present. Oh my gosh. I think that was in my college application uh, essay. Really? Is yeah, that I true? Any co- I didn't get into any colleges. <laughs> they sent me to jail. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. <laughs> People came to my house. They took me away. Oh, folks, we have a wonderful week to recap for you here in the exciting news, the exciting American news. Uh, It is too bad Jake is sick for this because I felt like there were a lot of Jake-style events happening this week, and I would have loved to have heard from him on, mostly on the first thing, which is Elon Musk being booed in an arena full of people at the Dave Chappelle concert. Ten percent, he says. He says ninety percent cheers, ten percent booze. And mm. even if you take his word at that, ten percent booze in an arena is still like a hundred thousand people. <laughs> He's a polarizing figure. Some people, you know, find that to be compelling until the, you know you're getting booed live on stage by like, you know, a subsect of 
a crowd. This is how most crowds react to a Sigma male. He took it really, he took it really strongly. You know, if the, you know, days after it are any indication, his like mental state in them. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you've seen the clip, but his body language is very dominant. I think he tries to do the Dougie. Yeah, he's kind of walking weird. like the Grinch up there, is how I would describe it. I don't really know why he came out on the stage. Like, what was he actually expecting to happen? Was he going to tell jokes? Um, I, I kind of, best case scenario, I, I said this before and I'll say again, he was going to recap like his favorite episode of Rick and Morty, like the plot of it. <laughs> and then he was going to pull up like a meme on his phone and like hold it up to like the first person in the crowd and be like, hey, okay, like... You, I, you know, ignore the watermark. Isn't this funny? And that, that, thanks that's for whole... having me, David. It kind of reminds me of the time I was in Snake World. <laughs> snake World, everyone's a snake. And there's me and you, and you're a snake, and I'm a snake. And we're doing our regular things, but <laughs> with sharp fangs. All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of like a- anecdote from South Africa, growing up in like apartheid South Africa or whatever he's from, like Australia or some some bullshit place. And he would just been like, oh, in, in, all, in my country, if this were thirty years ago, they'd be booing you, David, and they would mm. be cheering me. You he used to be that. able to use single women as stairs. <laughs> We've come a long way since then, huh? Oh, did you want me to bring a new car? I forgot the whole car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, if he wanted people to cheer, he could have just come out and be like, everyone in the crowd gets $1,000. Yeah, it's so easy for him. Yeah. That would be yeah. no money. Even Oprah did it. Oprah does it all the time. She has way less money than Elon Musk, although that may be because she's always giving it away. Way more clout, though. If if Elon Musk had Oprah clout, we shit, we would all be in the lithium mines right now. We'd all she's be a, in the tunnels. She might be his only uh, chance because I feel like growing up, you know, you, know, you got the jingle ball. Another piece of nostalgia is is the Oprah interview. I feel like that was the only way for people to redeem themselves in like the 90s and 2000s. If somebody had done something bad, right? Because before it was called cancel culture, somebody, you know, offended the public in some way, uh, they would go on Oprah and have like a cathartic interview. And that's his only out, but we don't, she doesn't do them anymore that often. You know? You gotta be like the prince of a literal country and have a black wife to get an interview with Oprah nowadays. And that only describes like two, three people max. And it certainly doesn't describe Elon Musk. I'm sure he's working on it though. I think just like, you know, Elon Musk is a good counterbalance to another famous uh, celebrity we have in our culture with a lot of kids, uh, Nick Cannon. And this is like Nick Cannon does a lot of like problematic things. No one would deny that. Um, you know, he's had a string of I you know, I would I wouldn't say fail. That's I guess that's my big, you know, point here is that like while they have similarly large amounts of kids by different women, Nick Cannon's kids seem to want him in their life. You know, you know, uh, his baby mamas seem to like having him around. And that's why he doesn't have as much time to get in trouble online. You know, I think it's honestly quite strange for someone to have so many kids and it to be the holiday season and for him to have this much time. Yeah. See, but Brandon, you're what you're not doing is contrasting his stroke game. His stroke game is going to keep the mothers in play. I was going to say that's something Nick Elon doesn't have. And the other person you want to contrast with, with um, Nick Cannon, just because they had a similar arc. Kanye West and him both did the sudden anti-Semitism thing, mm. but we all still like Nick Cannon. 
because of Drumline, the hit film. <laughs> I was thinking Love Don't Cost a Thing with uh, Nick, with, you know, Nick Cannon and Christina Milian. But, you know, I think Nick Cannon walked back the black Hebrew Israelitism. Yeah. I don't know what you call like the overall uh, religious belief set that that is. But I think I think he walked it back. And, you know, ultimately, like, if you just stop talking, people eventually forget it. Elon Musk just can't keep himself out of the limelight. He can't stop yeah. himself from <laughs> continuing to dig himself into deeper and deeper holes. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's just a sign of somebody whose ego is out of control. You, you saw it in SBF, too, when he wouldn't stop giving interviews after the crimes he committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we will talk about that. But it is interesting to think about how much money Elon is losing right now just for this reason. Like, there, not only is it embarrassing and comes at a personal cost, but he's, like, losing billions of dollars by looking so uncool publicly over and over again. Tesla's stock crashed yesterday. Tesla's stock has, it's, like, down over, so I think, 60% from a year to date. You know, it started off, like, last year around this time at, like, $400, and it's now, like, just, you know, starting to dip under the $150 uh, line. So, you know, RIP, I guess. I hope it was worth it to be the mod of the world's worst forum. And that's really what it is. Twitter is the world's worst forum because even on Reddit, they have, like, designated areas for talking about designated things. Mm Twitter is the only, like, posting website where you can just come across things that piss you off, even if it's not meant for you and it's not in your interest set. They kind of throw it at you on purpose. Yeah, to anger you. Yeah. And it's all from the raw force of him being cringe. It does. It has a literal financial cost. And frankly, I just think it's weird. I, I, you know, I'd like to say it says more about his personality than it does about the people who, you know, this description fits. But some people were all on board to buy his like dumb exploding cars that run over people by accident <laughs> or on purpose, depending on how you, you know, interpret that AI and get, you know, his like weird chimp killing mind chip until they saw how much of an asshole he was online and it's just like damn you know that just really says a lot about our society you know if putting a computer in my brain is going to make me more like this guy i'm not even interested anymore (laughs) we can't even get 3d right you know we, we got we couldn't even get 3d movies right so evidently that people are still talking about avatar because of how it was like the only 3d movie to ever be good and that's why it like blew people's minds. And so you're not putting a chip in my brain in this economy. Yeah, half those monkeys like chewed their own hands off. Uh, yeah, I did see a uh, tweet um, that was kind of uh, screenshotting Elon replying to an account that is quotes of Elon Musk. It's just an account that quotes him, and <laughs> he'll reply to it with things like "so true" or "that's a good point." still believe that it's just things that he has said i don't know if he realizes this or he thinks that uh maybe these are things he would say uh that are being generated um or he's just it's just positive reinforcement which people need in their lives it's a digital mirror in a way would you follow an anders lee quotes account no i would definitely not follow my own quotes account i don't want to see my quotes I mean, an Anders Lee quotes account would probably be about, you know, sticking the hockey, uh, doing a really good job setting a pick in hockey or whatever they do. Yeah, I bet an Anders Lee quotes account would be about setting a really good pick in hockey, (laughs) not all the insane shit you say all of the time. (laughs) I would absolutely follow an Anders Lee quotes account. There's a hockey player named Anders Lee, in case people aren't 
familiar, don't follow him. People often think I'm going to be him and are, are massively disappointed. But um, you have better quotes. I'll say it. Sometimes people transcribe things we say, and it's 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 very disturbing. Anders took a a, a, a rap uh, chef to task last night over the ingredients of aioli. Like oh. that could be on the quotes account. <laughs> oh, I I you know when you say rap chef, you really rap chef. you know. I, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really conjure, I think, the image that, you know, like, not like a hero sh- or some sort of, like, you know, burrito maker, like someone whose, uh-huh. like, cuisine is in the form of raps. It, I just thought, like, a rapping chef. Like, I thought it was like, he got <laughs> out into he a rap, rap battle. Like, is that what that show is about? Everyone's always talking about with, like, grungy Timothy Chalamet. Uh, with the bear. <laughs> the yeah, bear he's rapping. Like, if it were, like, 2005, you know he would be rapping. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I it's mean, the one thing he doesn't do on that show. He doesn't. He's so talented. That would make me sound better if it was a rapping chef. Um, but no, I was just I was just asking if uh, this one rap that they do and most rap places are not good. This I found a great rap place. Don't want to give away its name. Uh, we but walked I'm, into Anders' rap of the week. I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to promote their business. After we got into this altercation, well, I don't want. I mean, the employees don't deserve uh, just an influx, an influx of our annoying. Uh, they should fans. be dealt with. Well, no, I'm, I'm for their sake. I don't want them to have yeah. more, more fucking customers. The assassination them. coordinates of this of this rap restaurant. <laughs> but There's I a just... place that only sells wraps, and they had Andrews was trying to make sure there was no dairy on his wrap. And so it had chipotle aioli on it, and he said, no dairy, and they said, no sauce, and then he said, the sauce is aioli, and it became like a who's on first situation. Yeah. <laughs> it took quite a while to resolve. Much more confusing than I thought it would be, but yeah, it came, what it redounded <laughs> to, and I was very polite about it, I will say, and I did Eggs tip. aren't dairy. Eggs are not well, dairy. Well, there's aioli. You don't yeah. have to have aioli. Well, like, but no, if I, I did, you make that with eggs, but there's no dairy in eggs. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted so, the aioli. I just didn't want dairy. So are you, are you lactose intolerant or yes. like a vegan? Lactose intolerant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is uh, stems uh, is where a lot of confusion stems from because vegans don't eat eggs or dairy. So I think a lot of times people are accustomed to just saying, "Okay, eggs or dairy." No, which I, is a whole I get that different... too. I, I'm a, I'm allergic to nuts, uh-huh. but also like uh, some sorts of some types of seeds. And a lot of people don't know like what's a nut and what's like a seed. But I have like you know like a pecan is a pecan a nut? You might think so, but it's not. Oh. It's so, not. Yeah, is it a legume? Technic- no, it's. I think it te- it's technically a fruit. That's probably not correct. But you know, <laughs> it's re- they're, right. <laughs> they're related. They're related to peaches and plums, like the you know like the pit. It looks like a peach pit. It looks like a peach pit you can eat, kind of like a smaller but, one. I can't have chickpeas, so, you know. Now, imagine a dedicated account that has the entire transcript of a conversation like this. Isn't that something you'd want? No. I'm <laughs> something you can ac- access every day? I would just feel so bad for the person doing that. If I knew I would be in quoted, and I think this has happens to a lot of people, like if I knew that like people turned my sayings into quotes, like to quote at other people, I think it would dramatically affect the way I spoke. Probably not in a positive way. Like I would. That's go, what happened you know, to Mao. I yeah. I would try <laughs> to be more quotable, and then I would probably end up becoming across as like kind of stilted or like cringe. Yeah, I would try to eliminate all my ums and uhs, would just which would just result in me being almost entirely silent. First thing you I do, you know, you're being quoted all the time. Catchphrases. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-oh, Brandon's about to speak. You can tell because he just said hickory dickory dock. <laughs> he always says that before some wisdom comes out of his mouth. It's like how rappers say their name before their, their verse. Yeah, like, or how Master P says, uh. Oh, yeah. Not only does he say, uh, he makes them say, uh. He so makes like he- others say, uh, with his prolific wisdom. Exactly, exactly. So everyone's quoting Master P when they say, uh. He's the most quoted man in the entire history of the world it goes like plenty the elder uh, abraham lincoln uh dr <laughs> seuss and then like you know i'm, I'm going like f- you know i'm ascending order here then master p yeah i quote master p like two to three times a sentence oh. well you know who's kind of the master p of the modern age besides him because he's like He's still around, I think. I haven't yeah. checked in on him in a while. Anyway, uh, you know who's him now is uh, Sam Bankman Fried. Oh. In many ways. I mean, I don't know how... Look, a lot of rappers of that era were, you know, very braggadocious about the crimes that they committed. So I think in some ways, Master P operates as kind of a good counterbalance to Sam Bankman Fried or Freed. I- I've heard it pronounced both ways, Freed and Fried. You know, he, you know uh, he's neither free or fried now he's just like captured i think um, he's in jail he's in jailed in the bahamas you know from what i hear n- not the place you want to go to jail um which you know neither is america to be perfectly honest or mm-hmm. a lot of other countries but you know he, sam bankman freed was not as braggadocious about his crimes he up until the point where they like shackled him and you know that image of like a white guy surrounded by like multiple black cops taking them to jail you don't see that a lot you know not in america uh, it's usually the opposite. Yeah. But, Ooh, I've seen this. And in this case, I mean, he was on a whole media tour, like saying that he, in some ways, was innocent. He was being, you know, wrongly accused of the various things that he has now been formally charged with, like wire fraud, com- you know, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, uh, you know, securities fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud. <laughs> it was just a litany of charges. How would he get away with uh, being innocent of any of these crimes when they're the structural basis of his company? Well, I think that, like, and this is something that I found to be quite interesting about, like, people who were engaging in, like, these crimes from, you know, maybe they were too into crypto. Maybe they were sort of only, like, casually into, like, the law. Like, they actually thought that he wasn't going to be arrested or he was going to get away with this because he had made a few donations. And by a few, I mean he was, like— Probably he was the single if you track the money, all the money that was spent back to him, like the single highest donor during the primary season, you know, I think by his own admission, when you combine his Republican and Democrat donations, like they thought that that was going to buy him a get out of jail free card. You're going to Kaiser Zose his way out of it. Yeah. Images of cool cartoons he's traded. Yeah. And, you know, I think that in the crypto industry, you know, a lot of it goes, you know, gets by on just being like relatively, I don't know if they say well-spoken, but he's kind of like dumb when you listen to him talk. You know, a lot of stuff gets by on magical thinking. Like if you can promote enough confidence, you know, you can too pretend to be a millionaire long enough for you to be made one by your fans, you know, via pump and dump schemes. But you know, that's not really how 1930s banking laws work or like Mm. 1980s like securities laws work you know the kind of shit that like the wolf of wall street went to jail for uh like they tend to take that stuff seriously and so i think you know there was this kind of hint of the law is not fair look at all these like positive interviews he's getting where people are asking him about you know 
whether he sleeps well or not in the New York Times. And I was like, yeah, but that's just a calm before the storm. Like, this guy is definitely going to be, if not in jail for the rest of his life, in, you know, court for the foreseeable future to avoid getting being in jail for the rest of his life. But, you know, crypto industry is just rife with scammers who don't necessarily ever get taken to justice. But that, I know, they tend to operate on a way smaller level. So I'm looking now at, uh, I just Google image searched his, his arrest, and it is very interesting. You're right. He, this is the first time I've ever seen him wear a suit. Uh, and it's on kind of disheveledly. One side of the collar is tucked in, the other's out. But yeah, he's um, being arrested by Bahamen. Sam's only do this under extreme duress. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that image is him coming from, like, his court hearing where he was denied bail. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, yeah, you're right. The image of Sam is kind of the prototypical. I, I say prototypical image of, like, the tech genius of the early 2000s. But when, you know, looking in hindsight, I can't really think of that many tech people who don't wear, like, at least a polo and like you know i mean i know how like mark zuckerberg used to dress you know a little bit of a white t-shirt like the khakis look like he was like a geek squad member yeah but like very i can think of very few quote-unquote tech billionaires who at least over the course of their t- entire career stayed with like this level of being disheveled the way that you know sam was not that it should matter in terms of like crime or not but people have this like model in their minds now and the theranos lady kind of drew on this too of like the disheveled tech genius i'm like who do you mean exactly like who like who is this like league of legends playing tech genius i think that's more of like a cultural archetype that people were ready for him to fill but like yeah he it's a biblical figure it's a role people aspire to be a disheveled tech genius that you you know what it is your doctor house but for money (laughs) Yeah. And so when you like, but when you actually like listen to him talk about like stuff, like how his business runs, basically he just describes like a Ponzi scheme or like money laundering. And so like, if you're not taken by like the image of the disheveled tech genius, like the, you know, blinded by the glitz of like complicated crypto talk about like blockchains, all you see is a guy who basically has, you know, thinks he's really clever for inventing like money laundering at best in like a Ponzi scheme at worst. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like I, I get it. Like he likes video games. <laughs> well, his other thing too, is that he's the polycule genius. Right. And I do wonder how his company falling apart has affected his romantic, uh, book club he's in i mean i think that being in a polycule only enhances your chances of having a member of that polycule snitch on you to the federal authorities if you're only dating one person you only have to worry about that one person snitching and if i mean assuming they know anything when you have like you know a thruple plus uh like 10 plus people you have to worry about like keeping every member of that group happy enough to that they don't like you know become state's evidence oh my god yes there's always one one sassy bottom in any <laughs> six-person relationship who you invite in because you know they're going to squeal, and then you end up in a legal situation. That's the last thing you want. So you watched the um, the hearings on this that were were recent. Uh, what was the, how are how are senators uh, digesting this? Are they like owning up to the fact that this was a scam all along and they should have known about it, or is there? continuous uh denial and pushing the problem off to the side 
So there was a House hearing or and a house. Senate hearing. Okay, gotcha. I, I watched both actually because I, I was quite curious. The, the God love people you. in my house besides me were not were not as curious and therefore caused a little bit of a schism in my polycule, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but in reality, I think that the House and Senate hearing, the House hearing was how all House hearings tend to be very boring and like the same repetitive questions uh, from like this, you know, back to back because each member of the house is insecure that you don't know who they are because there's like a trillion member of the houses. And so you'll be like, okay, the guy from uh, Alabama wants to ask the same question that the guy from Minnesota just asked three seconds ago, but with a slightly different variation of words so that like when he goes back to his district, he can also be heard asking John Ray, the third, this ex CEO, you know, slash like, bankruptcy attorney who took down not took down but like dissolved enron saying that oh ftx is worse than enron and ftx is worse than madoff like that sort of sound bites so that one was kind of boring um but you know john ray the third like i said he's in the new ceo of ftx slash alameda i guess that whole like jumbled up mess and you know he was speaking in front of the house so you know his take was and i think it's sort of the right take especially when you consider like what we know to be true about uh ftx is that you know despite all of the allusions to sophistication the into the allusions to like being high tech that crypto uses to sell itself to like you know both institutional investors and also retail investors it's actually in many ways you know a very simple case of embezzlement that was easily obscured by that thin veneer of both like crypto transparency and crypto uh, complexity when it's like no he just was commingling funds and putting them all into one big bucket and then just like spending them and then like giving his friends and or uh, insiders the ability to access these funds for gambling on the side etc etc nothing to really do with like the blockchain or blockchain technology in any meaningful way except for in the way that in which he captured people into that system and then was able to hide it from people. The Senate committee hearing was really interesting because it had sort of like a panel of both experts and accomplices of uh, Sam because they sort of had like Kevin O'Leary from like Shark Tank. Then it had like Professor right. Hillary Allen. Um, I think she's a professor of banking law. I don't want to like, I don't want to be wrong at where she teaches at. And then it had uh, Ben McKenzie, uh, I was going to say fan of mine, but in reality, I'm a huge fan of his. <laughs> that people will know from the OC. You know, from yeah, the OC. Yeah, you're, just a, you're an OC super fan. I'm an um, OC OG. Now, when they had Kevin O'Leary on, was that to find expert testimony from people who have allegedly murdered someone with a boat? Well, I mean, I don't think it was alleged. I think he said it was an accident. So the killing happened he, you know he's just saying the interpretation of it was incorrect and i would also say you know that's been his general position on what happened at <laughs> fdx as well but you know, kevin o'leary is as i understand it from his own words not necessarily just in that um testimony in front of the senate but also in on various interviews he was you know a very highly paid spokesman for ftx he was pulling in or like not, he pulled in and sam paid him 15 million dollars dollars worth of something at some point because you know when it comes to crypto it's hard to tell you know what people are being paid in like real money or like dreams basically uh you know he was paid 15 million dollars which he claims to not have access to the majority of on, of it now because it was on ftx um and so he's one of the investors and also spokespeople of this industry generally but also ftx specifically and so he was brought there to sort of give you know 
uh, the various points of view as an investor and an accomplice. The senators, I think, one of them, Cynthia Loomis, has, you know, very dubious ties to the crypto industry. And I think she used her time, you know, instead of asking questions to grandstand about like the value of crypto and how this was a failure of people and how it was a failure of like greed. And it doesn't really implicate the underlying blockchain technology. And it's just like, I don't know. People keep saying that about all this shit, but it keeps happening. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just being an up purist, but like if the only time people hear about crypto companies in the news is when it's a scam attached to them. I can't really think of another industry that we legitimize or try to legitimize besides that. You know, obviously every industry has its like recalls and has its like salmonella outbreaks in the United States. But crypto, I think, is just like, you know, as Ben McKenzie put it, it's an industry full of scammers and marks. And if you don't know which one you are, you have a problem. Mm. Well, is it... uh I remember watching uh, the Barry Crimmins documentary, and there's a section mm-hmm. where he testifies before Congress about child pornography. He was very anti that, and uh, but a, a, good for him, right? Uh, worthy cause. But a lot of the senators, and this is in the '90s, a lot of the senators were like kind of making a show out of how bad they were with technology and computers. Like my niece tried to show me computer solitaire and. The the PC exploded or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were they, it's like when your mom is like, I can't open the peanut butter jar. I need my big strong son to open the peanut butter jar. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Uh, were they kind of making a show out of not understanding this stuff or did they? Because, you know, a lot of these politicians as of late up until quite recently were like, this is actually a pretty smart investment option that people should consider people should have access to were they trying to walk that back or how are they well see a a lot of uh senators i think is i'm not sure specifically how many senators were on that train i know kirsten gillibrand and cynthia loomis were the two main ones who were encouraging people especially elders to put more money into the crypto industry like you know allocate a portion of their pension or 401k into crypto and this was only a few months ago like i think someone had pointed out i people have pointed out not necessarily from that point but if you invested in crypto when matt damon told you to invest in crypto and that one commercial you know pre-super bowl commercial forgetting the Super Bowl commercials that came out, you know, promoting FTX and crypto.com and whatever other like nonsense. Where he's on the moon and he's going to he's going to mine crypto and Mars. Fortune favors the bold. Yeah. By the way, every fucking movie where he goes to space, he dies in a horrible fashion. And we're just supposed (laughs) to follow him there. He's He's just trying to make you forget which ones of those movies he's in, which is like The Martian. And like have you think that he's just, you know, one of the generic actors who could be Matt Damon, like Ben Affleck sometimes. Like, oh, maybe he was in Ad Astra. Maybe he oh. was in Interstellar. Maybe he was in Gravity. Or, you don't, or he could maybe be anything. he was, is in Interstellar and he's uh, the horrible murderer on the faraway galaxy. Perhaps it was. Oh. Bashes that guy's helmet in. Yeah, huh. Perhaps it was intended as a warning to his real fans who have seen all these movies and know where space ends for Matt Damon. So they see it and they say, oh, I'm not going to put all grandma's uh, money in crypto. Well, that's the limit for me. (laughs) Well, you know, I guess I'll just answer a question about uh, the senators. I think, you know, 
house members aside, I think the house members like to all play like all shucks. I'm just a humble lawyer from the, you know, small town Alabama who somehow found myself here. The, you know, the Senate Banking Committee, you know, appeared or at least tried to appear a little bit more articulate on the topic. And so you just had, you know, you had a lot of critics like Elizabeth Warren and um, I want to say Sherrod Brown was there as well, who were, you know, really emphasizing that like as the guy was saying as complicated as crypto appears on the surface we have laws that already apply to stuff like this Mm. and simply using words like decentralized or blockchain or you know uh dow or whatever doesn't suddenly make it not a security doesn't suddenly make you immune from commodities legislation doesn't suddenly make you immune from income tax laws uh money laundering laws etc because we've we've had this stuff happen in the past pre-technology you know a lot of the first securities laws you know, apply to not necessarily just stocks, but other types of like paper tokens, right. etc. Um, the ones who were pretending to be more dumb were like the Cynthia Loomis types who were trying to advocate for some world in which like regulation in this industry was the solution to allow for, you know, careful speculation and successful sort of like the successful into, you know, or rather the successful integration of institutional money into the ecosystem, because like that's what the crypto industry really wants. It wants to get pensions funds. It wants to get like the retirement funds from various industries. And it wants a little bit more from that big money investing because that's what 70 plus percent of the actual investment industry is it's not necessarily retail investors which crypto has been very good at uh separating those retail investors the few americans who have like 50k in their bank account like you know amounts of money that see that you know i'm sure people who only have 50k in their bank account would say they don't feel safe for retirement but for people like me i'm like that's a lot of money just have sitting around to put in a crypto company uh-huh. but i can acknowledge that like it's not it's certainly not enough to live in america on but the few people who have that money and are willing to invest in crypto who are willing to get so put that money to the ecosystem i think have dried up you know they've mostly you know the real estate flippers from the south who were wanted to diversify into crypto have largely you know either put their money in and it's stuck there now or have decided not to put their money in there and so it's you know, now it's time to expand that market to like pensions. And they've gotten a few of them, like the Toronto Teachers Union, I think, or some Canadian pensions have been caught up in a few of these like exchanges being bankrupt, but certainly not so many that it would, you know, it would require the government to step in and bail out that industry because that's what they also want to become, which is too big to fail. But Mm. I don't think, I think that's, you know, sorry, but go ahead. No, I was just going, Mm. "Mm." like, yeah, Andrew's going, "Uh uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, I was doing. He's always doing doing a master P. I, I would just say though, like maybe it's because I don't, you know, people might call me a crypto skeptic or crypto critic or like just you know a big dumbass who doesn't understand technology, but. Even when Kevin O'Leary and the few crypto cucks who were on like the Senate panel were like talking about regulating the industry, I just don't necessarily understand how they would do that and still keep it as profitable as they seem to want it to be. Because a lot of what makes the crypto industry grow are like offering 10%, you know, APR on like shitcoin investments or offering like, you know, Ponzi level uh, returns on like staking your coins on shit. And even if that's not facilitated by like something as, you know, uh, obviously illegal, although I guess what I'm going to describe after is obviously legal. That's like a Ponzi scheme where, you know, you're paying out old investors with new investor money until you run out of new investors and, you know, then it just all collapses. At the very 
best for that system to function, it has to be functioning with some kind of money laundering. And I think the crypto industry is like not necessarily honest enough about this, where it's like, you know, let's say even FTX was solvent. The only way that kind of really works with this sort of magic box is if somebody who has money that they got through ill-gained means, like, you know, some sheik who, or some sheik, mm. rather, who doesn't want the government to take all of it, their money, you know, someone trying to, you know, remove $500 million from, like, Iran or Afghanistan or China or whatever needs a place to like get clean money and they're willing to pay a premium to like a handful of suburban dads who have 50k to like slosh their money around in the box with them but you know if the government finds that you're doing that they're going to take your money anyway you know like that money's going to be uh all seized in order to like you know prosecute you for money laundering you know you don't want to be a money mule either but I think that like the regulation they're talking about is that the government comes in, ensures that it's not a Ponzi scheme, but, you know, still allows you to sell illegal securities and do money laundering, which is just not like how regulation could possibly work. I agree. I'm pretty much financially illiterate is the problem <laughs> I'm having. So I just have to just sh- nod my head and say, that's right. You're, financially you're, illiterate, you're then crypto it. might be for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> you? worried that, I mean, like, I'm kind of concerned I'm going to wake up one day and just find out I've purchased, like, $5,000 in crypto and kind of have to ride that out. It really relies on people being, and this is something that I think I've understood, too. It relies on, like, the primary audience <clears throat> being, like, financially illiterate, but also, like, technologically illiterate. And so, and also, like, legally illiterate. So, like, a lot of confident people seem to fall into this trap because they think that they understand like the world of finance and the world of big tech in the world of like financial law and the history of financial law a lot better than they do and then at the end they're just like you mean i'm not allowed to go online and sell securities without a license <laughs> it's just like like i, I thought what do you i mean was the a- money machine is not plugged in like it seems like it just you know obviously it you know it relies on people being greedy to get into that sort of thing but i think it also relies on people like having you know people our age or a little older who feel like they missed out on that first wave of like the tech boom you know the wave of like you know tech investment where you hear about a janitor who gets like 10 stock to clean the bathrooms at apple for free and then like eight years later he's a millionaire because he cashes in those stocks and he never like works again and people like in our culture only remember like those stories like the survivor bias stories of like the early like tech days the amazons the paypal and like the Facebooks, they don't remember all of the other companies that went straight up bankrupt and all of the investors who like got straight up like ruined in that time uh, because they you know, also they would think they would be the smart ones. They wouldn't be the person who's like investing in pets.com. They're, they would be the person who's like ground floor in on like PayPal. No, you wouldn't be the guy who goes to work in the basement of Amazon and then continues to work in the basement of Amazon, like 99% of the employees who work there. Um no, this is just a microcosm of the issue of uh, the economy at large, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you talk to anybody in, over the age of, like, 45 who owns a home now, they will have a story for you about signing up at their local uh, uh, deli market to clean the walls and then finding out that they can uh, uh, work their way up and then they own their own deli later. And all this, every, everything that was just organically growing has stopped. And so everyone under a certain... Uh, a, a cutoff is looking for ways to make money now the rest of the economy hasn't noticed or caught up yet 
Like they can they can get around the fact that the trend is going against them. Passive income. Everyone's like flipping houses. Like I mean, you know, they're gonna be a computer landlord. You can be a computer landlord. I think you know it's a because of the way social media works. We're in the era that's rife with scams and scamming. Like I because I watch crypto videos online, like crypto news videos on like YouTube. Like the YouTube algorithm for ads, like swears to God that I'm like the most gullible, scammable person in the world. Like I get, I got like a ad for an app that like promotes passive income, where like the app's initials are just like literally MLM. <laughs> and it's like literally it's almost like damn near spelled out in like the app's like logo you know i got another ad while watching crypto videos for something that was essentially i can only imagine a violation of airbnb terms about like flipping airbnb rooms i think i might have told you about this off you know a while ago alex where like the premise of the video seems to be that you can rent an airbnb long term which you can of course and then like just redesign the room and then rent it out short term to other people and like make money doing that and you don't have to have any you know the perfect crime yeah Mm -hmm. like just like some real like low brown (laughs) i'd say we spend most of our time together talking about what videos you found on youtube (laughs) but they're mostly incel inline skate videos from what i can recall Skate dance videos in and so inline videos. I, I think it's like roller skate, not inline skate. You gotta, you know, make the distinction. Like, like roll. What's bounce. the difference? Well, it's, on inline skates, the skates are in a line. Like, and by skates, I mean wheels. And in roller skates, the wheels are parallel, like a box. Hmm. Oh, okay. So this is just a '90s bias I have. Rias, I think roller skates. I think of inline skates, but they're not all like that. But what's Those important? Are blades. Ro- oh. well, how is a blade different than a roller? Oh, I know this. The, the blade whatever. is the blade. They're all in the same. Li- is that what inline means? They're all in the but same. But that's line. what an inline okay. skate is. Yeah. Oh. Tomato, tomato. Here, people. What's important is the incel community is dancing on rollerblades, and it is yeah. a tough in-group out. I mean, just listen to the, the listen to that versus they're all dancing on inline roller skates. Rollerblade sounds better. I mean, I think inline roller blade is like redundant. You know, it's like saying yeah. ATM machine. Right. Which we all say, by the way. <laughs> I, I say it all the time. But I mean, yeah. It rolls off the tongue. We're just at a time where like scams, including incel and like various other types of like grifts that don't necessarily have like an explicit financial purpose in mind are just like rifle in mind. Everyone is being like scammed all the time because we're just like constantly being inundated with like normal ads and then like, you know, psychological warfare by various forms of like internet influencers or like accounts. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't have a good scam going, it means that everybody else is kind of pulling ahead of you in terms of the race to the bottom of uh, having the last bit of gold our economy could produce. Yeah, and or I mean scam-based economy. Yeah, we do have a scam-based economy and I think that some people, especially crypto people, like have an inherent sense for that, but I think that that makes them think that they're inherently immune to being scammed. Like they think that because they have some sort of like self-actualization about like, oh, I get it, you know, traditional finance is all a scam. Look at all the things that they do. They think that they give them some sort of power to like beat them in some sense. Like really, it'd be like if Yeah. It feels like the only scam left that works consistently and isn't just mostly high on its own supply more than real estate or tech or anything is just arms manufacturers really have a great bulletproof scam going where they can essentially like 
create war and then sell arms, which makes more war. And then you could just keep making money off of that. Whereas everything else is getting uh, either uh, regulations or people are just catching wise. Like, hey, it doesn't matter how many cartoon ducks I sell. None of this is real money. <laughs> I mean, I will say I've gotten so I'm so many... Uh, like, and I don't know. This is if this is because I fell for a scam, and that they they have a community, and they're like, "This guy's an easy mark." But uh, I've been getting yeah, the FBI, the community <laughs> called you to tell you that you owed the money. <laughs> it was it was the Federal Reserve, their enforcement arm, <laughs> or the Treasury, Treasury rather. Uh, but like, oh, that's a big deal. It's been like an influx of, and I, I'm talking to other people who are like constantly getting texts. They're, you're put in a group chat with somebody who is going to make you a lot of money or uh, you're in a group chat on, on Twitter all of a sudden um, with people who are, are trying to get you a job at Amazon because they're hiring at, at, you know, 100. Twitter is so bad right now. Yeah. Mm. All these emails. I get like five of those a day. The Kohl's cash. Like it's, it's nonstop. And it's kind of amazing that no one has taken this up as a political cause. Um, it seemed my understanding is that a lot of this stems back to the FCC rules over the past few years uh, at that like actually Ajit Pai's deregulation um, and this has a lot to do with uh, net neutrality um, have you know opened up the floodgates for for digital scam artists but uh, it's just amazing that nobody has taken this up as a cause and said like let's let's stop the scammers. Well, you know why no one's taking it up as a cause? Is because you can't make any goddamn money from it, and all the people running for office are also doing scams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're in the pocket of people who are probably benefiting from this, right? Because you get, you know, ostensibly legitimate ads are coming through these floodgates as well, uh, and they don't want to close them, even if it means letting a bunch of scam artists in there as well, who they may or may not have some connection to. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's easy to justify for our, you know, society because we just tend to like force the responsibility off for most things onto the consumer. You know, you know, we there are just certain narratives that have become very commonplace that like sound at their highest level, like oh, you know, good, like uh, like media literacy is a good one, where it's just like when people say media literacy, you would think that would at least I would think it would mean like okay, you should be you should have a list of pre sort of like pre vetted sources that you know tend to have like accurate information that you can go to to learn about what you know ideally is going on in the world or in any particular industry etc cetera, etc cetera. will those sources be institutional or just like individual reporters working you know uh in like uh, independently it seems more to mean when people say it online is that you should constantly read sites and sources that you know are not reliable and like figure out or not if they're true based on like independent research resources. Mm -hmm. And that might sound like, Oh, like, look at you taking ownership of your own, like, you know, media consumption. It's like That's fucking stupid. Who has time to like read the New York times and then don't go read a whole book to determine whether or not this motherfucker who's been paid to be right, or at least be informed, no 
knows what they're talking about, about anything. No, you should just like stop reading them, obviously. Yeah, you got to carve four hours out of your day as a designated stopgap for how often you get tricked. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like where people should use the crypto industry and the all of like the scams and the follies and all of like the people who like at the end who, you know, at the beginning tell you to have fun staying poor and to how much smarter they are than you and et cetera, et cetera, to like when they're think that they're riding high and when they lose all their money, they're like begging for regulation, wondering how this could have happened, you know, why no one's helping them. You know, people need to hold that industry up as an example of what a lot of people, not just libertarians, but neoliberals, Republicans, Democrats want for every industry. They don't want, you know, we have people out there right now who are constantly championing deregulation from everything for like, you know, food, food regulations, the FDA to like the kinds of weapons you can buy because of like nebulous ideas about freedom or freedom of uh, commerce. And, you know, they get people to agree to that stuff by like flatter flattering their ego about like how much they can understand and absorb and, you know, analyze using only their senses and whatever ideas and knowledge they have in their head. It's like, no, we just have to have like people who specialize in, you know, basically keeping certain industry standards in line. And we've just been since like, not just the FCC, but since like the eighties and seventies, like slowly rolling back those regulations in pursuit of not, you know, of privatizing those industries a lot of times, or just allowing various industries to run rampant in our like economy. And it just, that we're going to end up with like everyone instead of losing their money in a rug pull, pull, you know, because like the financial industry is deregulated, like everyone getting like fucking like terrible Ebola from the latest, like raw milk the latest raw milk epidemic right it's the same strategy as wado's junk shop where we are (laughs) slowly reducing all of our wonderful pod racers into parts and then sell to you the consumer just gonna say it now but if you get a call from the treasury department that you think is a scam you tell them it's a scam (laughs) then you hang up the phone and you get a call from your local police department with a number that says it's your local police department you google it checks out it's probably still a scam so PSA for all, all our PDA listeners out there. Yeah. And you people know, when can, you say it like that, it sounds really convincing. Thank you. Yes. That's what people don't realize is it can be, uh, you can be got to, you can get got to. Right. Probably most people would still and do understand that this is a scam, but still, if you uh, are neurodivergent and this happens to you, <laughs> be on the lookout. I, I yeah, don't let go. your anti-racism stop you from letting a man with a very strong Indian <laughs> accent tell you he is the chief of police in Minnesota and that you have to go put all your money in on Target DC, gift cards. Yes. <laughs> in D.C., you know, it's a, it's a world city. Right. It's an international it is, city. It is. Uh, but for every scam out there kind of hollowing the economy out, reducing the average buying value of your, of your everyday citizen, there are real businesses. And there are real opportunities to contribute to the um, community of money-making that America provides. And, of course, I'm referring to the exciting new business that premiered this week on (laughs) CollectTrumpCards.com. The official trading card of Donald J. Trump has arrived. President 45, there were 45,000 of these NFT cards available, which (laughs) digital trading cards. Now, I play a lot of digital trading card games. You, there's no game for this one. Mm. You just, I think, have an email with a picture in yeah. it. But um, they were each selling for $99. A lot of people have covered this, but they, I have not heard any coverage about how these immediately sold out. 
I think this was the whole point because uh, very low overhead to make these fucking things. I wouldn't be surprised if they went on just R the Donald uh, and looked up some clip art and took that. They uh, added Donald Trump into Zoo Books covers <laughs> and charged them for $99 a piece and then made 45000 of those. And they were all purchased. Yeah. <laughs> That's half a million dollars in Donald Trump gifs. Right. As it turns out, um, Trump is not doing a lot of rallies right now, even though he just announced pretty recently that he's running again, uh, which is unusual. He's a rally guy. Um, but apparently it actually costs, kind of obviously, a lot of money to put on these rallies. You know, they're pretty big. Oh, yeah. Um, and... I don't it's it's hard to get a look at his numbers, but one might surmise that he doesn't have a lot of money right now. So is resorting to this shit. Um, I mean, if you consider, you know, everyone's talking about what a genius James Cameron is and how much money Avatar is going to make. Yeah. How much money did it cost to make the Donald Trump trading card game and then in a day make half a million dollars? I mean, that's a way more direct cash out. Yeah. I don't know why you'd bother creating a masterpiece like Avatar 2 Way of Water. Honestly, yeah. you're right. Um, uh, I do want to take some time and look at some of these wonderful cards because they are beautiful to take in and there's a lot to discuss here. If you go to collecttrumpcards.com, they got a like the top eight here. I don't know how they have hundreds of these because it's they do like a YMCA style thing where you're like sexy sailor Donald <laughs> Trump, chief Donald Trump, fireman Donald Trump. Like how would you have how would you have ten thousand of those? Uh, the the one that I get the most stuck on is Miami dinner with Donald Trump, and Ooh. then the picture is him on the range in in a sheriff's coat in front of a horse. That's not Miami, and that's not Miami. That's my point. It is when you have as much money as Trump has, you can make Miami whatever you want. Well, I feel like maybe it's I'm, Miami, Ohio. That might give away the game in that these are all AI generated. I so. I really think a lot of things about these Trump cars. The first is that it's way late to the NFT game. You know, I think that, you know, calling them digital trading cards is cute, but, you know, they're basically just the same kinds of NFTs, except instead of, you know, a cute cartoon ape, it's a less cute cartoon ape, a.k.a. Trump. It's a dope Donald Trump. It's, a you know, ask like an astronaut or ask like a cowboy or ask like a NASCAR driver, you know, real lowbrow stuff. The question I have is that... You know, he claims that there are up to 20. So that makes you think a max of 20 of each type, which implies that there are over 2000 unique types of cards. I think, you know, I hate doing math live, uh, but there can't possibly be based on the few I've seen. Because what about I've rainbow th foil and stuff? Like, what if you open a foil Trump? I mean, I, how would you, I guess, a little straight down on a computer? Yeah, you, you just, like, put the foil onto the card, and then that's its own type. So that doubles your number. I think that some of them should just be, like, other really popular card game cards, but with Donald Trump photoshopped into them. Like, a, like, a shot, like an original Charizard from the Pokemon game, but instead of Charizard, it's just, like, Trump. Or I like am the, thinking Trump popping out of Charizard's mouth, as if to say, uh-oh, <laughs> it appears like, I've been eaten by a Charizard. You could have like a black lotus card and it's like it, Trump is just like folding out of the flower in the middle <laughs> of the flower. And it's just like, oh, 
I'm here in the swamp. I, I also, you know, I think it's a return to form for Trump. I don't know if you saw the commercial that accompanies the mm-hmm. Trump card. Uh, oh, dude, it's so good. It's great. And it reminds me of like classic like Trump University commercial, Trump classic like Trump steak, you know, early 2000s apprentice, you know, Trump. And to me, that makes it feel like maybe he's giving up on the presidential thing for the same reason that people kind of assumed he wasn't really in true with the first time he was running, because it's kind of like you were saying, way easier to use the platform of the presidency to sell and grift your way into other opportunities. And then you don't have to be the president and like not pursue those like money making opportunities. Mm. And so if he sees that he's like going to lose, why not just like use the time to like, I don't know, the, each of these are like $99 each and he sold 45,000 of them. Why not use the time to make 40 plus million dollars, I guess? The 45,000 figure seems suspect to me because he loves putting He's the 45th yeah, president. He puts 45 mm. on everything. You know, when he slaps you on the back, it, the market makes is a 45. Uh, well, I mean, these probably didn't actually sell out. Yeah. Like, it, it's, you know, ideally... They're sold out. You can't find them. Well, I mean, you can find them everywhere, technically, because they're a JPEG. So anytime you're looking at an image of one, you're looking at it, I guess you could argue. But, you know, that's just me not knowing how NFTs are supposed to work. But I have a feeling that neither, neither does he, because I wonder, like, how do you... Like I was saying before, how do you transfer a one-on-one conversation with Trump to the next person who buys the NFT? And I was going to say, how, there's no fucking chance Donald Trump understands NFTs. Because I've had it explained to me ten times, I don't understand NFTs. And I, like, I imagine the person who pitched him on this and had to break down how the blockchain works to this <laughs> demented old man who's been grifting people out of Long Island his entire life. Well, I, th- I feel like he didn't get it until someone explained uh, explained it to him using him as his visage and said, it's, an Im- it's a picture of you and people pay money to just kind of have some semblance of ownership of the picture of you. By the way, was it so they, they created 45,000 and then they sold out? Yeah. Or people... Okay. All right. That makes more sense. Mm. I, you know, I would imagine a decent uh, percentage of those were purchased by the Trump organization in order to, like, get yeah. the illusion that they sold out. But that's, you know, again, classic NFT slash digital trading card, uh, you know, behavior. I think that you're right, though. Like, basically, people just had to explain that it's a trading card with you on it that people are going to pay $100 for and you're going to make <laughs> and have to do nothing about them. 99 99 which doesn't seem like a whole lot yeah <laughs> like that, that's it what makes sound it like. for the amazing prizes you can receive it's almost nothing <laughs> here's the prizes individual zoom call with donald group I mean, zoom it's... session with 45 <laughs> mar-a-lago group cocktail hour that's i bet you i bet you too you get there and you gotta pay for the cocktails oh yeah the open bar <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're only $99. It's the confidence of it. It's saying, oh, it's only 99 which doesn't sound like a whole lot. And people are like fucking Tom Sawyer. He's getting people to be like, oh, yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot. Well, when Melania sold her NFTs, uh, the expensive uh, sort of more limited edition ones that were just like flowers or something. I don't remember exactly what the design was. You know, it, she it doesn't know speak- what her brand is yet. 
Her brand is like creepy Christmas decorations, which I kind of wish she'd leaned more into, like becoming some sort of like, you know, I don't want to say Jack Skellington-esque figure, but, you know, a a Jack Skellington-esque figure for our (laughs) generation. But, you know, it came out after that when those were sold out like it was just because they purchased them themselves because they didn't want to seem like like failures so Mm. it's likely that like you know they they're just trying it again with a lower margin or i guess a higher margin like less effort theoretically more quantity sold i don't know i think they all sold out i think true patriots have purchased forty five thousand donald trump pictures to show their grandchildren and say look at this email isn't that donald trump but he's dale Earhart jr in this picture, <laughs> you here's can use Muhammad it on, Ali, Donald Trump. You can use it as your like hexagon uh, avatar on Twitter until it goes down again. I mean, I didn't want to give yeah. this away the week before Christmas, but look what's underneath the tree. It's Master P, Donald Trump. I got <laughs> it just great. for you. Mm. I was going to say, I mean, I just think that with a, a few edits to the art, you know, it could have been definitely a sellout. I, I said it before and I'll say it again. If he had commissioned Ben Garrison to draw 45,000 unique comics, which seems to be, you know, he, he can really get them churned out. So I, I don't think that would be outside of his like capability. Then, you know, people might have actually been interested in owning them if only for like ironic value. Or if like the utility had been, you get to like call Trump on the phone and like fart into the receiver. Like people might like <laughs> literally pay $99 to do that. And, but this is, you know, like, it's a confused market. I don't know what you guys yeah. are talking about. This was a smash hit. This is a success all the way through. We'll see if he resorts to something like this again um, to fund his campaign in a few months. But uh, we mentioned Unless Avatar. this man literally dies, this will happen in 10 days. <laughs> He's yeah. going to have another scam up by the end of the year. There's going to be, for all the Republican debates, which I'm sorry very much looking forward to there's going to be a set of nfts just like kind of recapping his performance making it look even more epic than it actually is i have uh like my uh general dopamine levels have not reached the peak that they were at since the last republican (laughs) primary debates i really need them back on television now hollywood is out of ideas we need republican primary debates those nfts are going to be like him stop him like curb stopping uh ron the sanctimonious and like punching mike pence in the jaw yeah, they're just violent now they're event. like gears of war yeah. donald trump's <laughs> yeah um, Tim curb stomping carly fiorina <laughs> ouch well I that's what happens that, in gears of war i i would love a yeah. good republican primary because i think that there's you know there's a version where because there's not a clear front runner just like in 2016 that like you know it brings all the crazies out that we just have like a stacked a stacked deck of you know super smash brothers level sized roster of like psychos all tearing each other apart but then there's also the possibility that it just ends up being like trump on stage with like ron desantis and then like a handful of other like you know institutional republicans like ex-cia agents who just want to restore the sanctity to our assassinations or something and, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I would be like, I would love to see like Trump on stage, Ron DeSantis, maybe Lindsey Graham could come back. Sarah Palin isn't doing anything right now, but it wants to seem to dip her toes back into it. 
Kanye West could be there. That would be fun. Um, Herschel Walker on stage would be cool, too. Uh, I don't think Jeb Bush is, you know, going to run again. It would be great if we get him on stage. That's like a general punching Ooh. bag. I wouldn't Tulsi count Gabbard any of these people there. out. This, we're pretty much like at our late stage Super Smash Brothers roster kind of moment where it's just like anyone who has per- appeared in a previous property is invited. Yeah, I think they might pay Jeb Bush. I feel, I feel like they're gonna <laughs> for his charisma. Organization will, yeah. Like I think they're gonna slip money under the table to get Jeb back up in those debates, just to we need give one him more some run, Jeb. I you, gotta you go know, down swinging. <laughs> yeah, definitely gonna go down swinging. <laughs> uh, unless he I, wins. Unless he wins, I mean. It would, there, there are worse things for the Republican brand, but I think at this point, people are willing to run for a Republican Party president just to get like 10,000 extra followers on their social media plat- platforms, you know, mm. profiles. Uh, so it's very likely that like we'll see another stacked deck of like real crazy people like all arguing like who, you know, who can be the worst <laughs> person. Uh, yeah, we will be running Jake Flores as Republican presidential candidate. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, we're thinking of doing libertarian, but maybe we should do Republican. Yeah, this is Andrew's big soapbox: is that we got to start running leftists as Republicans. So we're gonna start with Jake at the <laughs> presidential level, the highest, uh, yeah, uh, uh, publicity level you can appear at. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much what's going on right now. It's the week before Christmas, and uh, frankly, everybody else is sleeping and resting and getting their rest, and so there's not like too much other news going on, but. There will be later when we emerge from hibernation. You had an interesting uh, prediction, possibly prediction, because um, there's been a lot of hype about uh, Avatar 2. Yeah. Uh, the Way of Water. Is that what it's called? This weekend is opening. I think it's open right now. Um, but you were pointing out it's been 12 years since the last Avatar, and this Avatar has no human main characters. So despite the rumblings on our corner of social media, this thing may not be as hot of a commodity as we're expecting. That's true. You're you're uh, outing me here from things I've said at a live event because I would never say these things on the internet, but it is true, folks. <laughs> I th- I'm a hater. I think James Cameron is not going to pull this off. I think we are all high on our own supply for this. What evidence would you have? Like, I only want to see this movie because we're all talking about it. That appeal cannot be going on to, like, families in Des Moines uh, to get that. all ten of their kids to go see the blue people for three hours. <laughs> I heard, I, th- I think, you know, I, I want to feel like you're right, Alex, that, like, we're just, we're in a post-Avatar, you know, world. In early 2000s, you know, 2009, uh, which feels like early 2000s, uh, you know, compared to now when like every movie is like Marvel movie, like something, something as quaint as Avatar feels like so <laughs> feels so nostalgic. Just it's just like Pocahontas or like Fern Gully, but like, you know, in three D, God. Uh I, you Look, know I'm gonna see it. It's gonna be fun. I'm yeah, not gonna say I'm it's like gonna be a bad to time. Well. I just don't think it, it's gonna make like three billion dollars or whatever. Well, I'm say, to I, I've heard it's already made fifty million dollars. Like I heard that like last night at like that's more than Trump. Yeah, that's more than Trump selling NFTs. You know. Okay, like, here's my final point for this though. How long does any kind of cultural phenomenon last in this day and age? Well, where this this thing's gonna sell out for multiple weeks in a row? No way! Well, no well, way! For, for context, Disney World has had a 
avatar pandora like section of magic kingdom or wild kingdom whatever like their like nature park is since the first movie came out 12 years ago and it's been there the entire time so Mm -hmm. like i think that for this a certain type of like family they look back on it nostalgically because it's you know it's part of that like larger disney world like amalgamation or like universe i don't know exactly all the parks are uh so you know i think people are open to it you know they're the white guy with dreads in it. Um, I think Zoe Saldana's still in it. I don't, I don't even know if there's the same people in this one. I don't know anything about it, honestly. I haven't seen Avatar in over a decade. Yeah, same. Well, if it succeeds, I have to eat the world tree. I have to eat the world tree whole. And so I have to pray for its failure now. Uh, do not message me about this. <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, and that's going to be it for another week of Poddam America, America's podcast about America. Let's thank Brandon for coming on the show again. Brandon, where can our viewers find you at home or abroad? Uh, well, I'm not going to give out my assassination coordinates on uh, this podcast, but you can find my podcast on the discourse, which is what my podcast is called, on all of the major podcast platforms, Spotify, uh you know, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Store, I think, or Google Play. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then you Google, can find me on Google the word Google Store and see what comes up. Yeah, it's going to put you into like an inception. You're going to just like end up waking up in your own bed. Uh, and then you can find me on the Majority Reports on Thursdays at the Fun Half. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Pretty Bad Lefty. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Anders, what do you got coming up? Uh, you can find me at Andersley here on Twitter, Dursley on Instagram. Um, I just had an interview I did for The Real News with Samir Santi about the Federal Reserve. Exciting, hot stuff. Um, actually, very important stuff about how they are not unlikely that they will induce a recession to stave off inflation. So I'll put that in the show notes. Check that out. And, oh, subscribe to the Patreon. We got a great app about... Uh, the German Dayx Machina, or whatever it was called. <laughs> it was not what it was called. Yeah, go to the Patreon. German J six. We kept calling it German J six, and it really pissed Kieran off. Yeah. But that's what it was, though. That's what it was, though. We don't have to play into their hands. <laughs> we can't let Germans define our terms. That's the last bulwark we have. Right. Uh. Yeah, follow me on uh, Patak Test Kitchen on Twitter. Listen to my podcast about Quora, Quora Raiders. We read the exciting Quoras and uncover the mysteries of the universe. And that's it for us this week. Fuck off! (laughs) It's finished. It's finished.